1: Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Uh, Today, we're talking to Dr. Axelrod, who is a transplant surgeon and kidney pancreas and living donor transplant surgical director at the University of Iowa. And I don't know if you guys know how busy transplant surgeons are. For us to have him on the phone for 30 minutes discussing what he feels important is just amazing because transplant surgeons you know, in my opinion, walk on water. Uh, Welcome to the show, Dr. Axelrod.
0: With an invitation like that, how could I refuse? I'm thrilled to be part of it, and uh, you guys are why we do what we do. There is no doubt that, um, as I explained to my residents, there are very few people that get excited to have their colon taken out, but transplant patients are excited to have a new lease on life, and it really is an amazing opportunity for us.
1: Well, and, you know, transplantation has evolved so much over the years. I I had my first transplant in 1979, and, you know, I got so many steroids, I almost blew up like a, you know, a blimp. I did look like a blimp, and, you know, they never got the transplant to work. And, you know, fast forward to, you know, 2021, and... You know, it's my fourth transplant, and I have a 0.6 creatinine, and and y'all are miracle workers. Um, I uh, am a firm believer is you just have to stay alive till the next miracle happens, and you know, you take care of yourself. So that's what I want to focus on today of what you really feel is important for transplant Patients and recipients and family members, because they're part of the care team. Of, um, tell us a little bit about you know what you expect from patients when they get transplanted.
0: So I think that your points were really well taken. That this is a team effort. It's not, a, and the team members um, not only include all the physicians and, and the folks that we work with. And as you well know, having been around this long enough, that uh, transplant coordinators. I'm not sure if transplant surgeons walk on water, but transplant coordinators certainly, you know, go out of their- their way to uh, to take care of people and have for a long, long time, um, but you know, I think one of the things that to be successful at transplant, um, you really have to be all in as a patient and as a family member. And uh, well, we'd love to be able to say that kidney transplantation is a cure for kidney disease, we all know that it's a much better solution but isn't a cure. And what do I mean by that? I mean that patients have to continually be an active participant in managing their care and taking care of their, their new organ. And that means everything from the obvious things, taking your medicines every day, paying attention to your blood pressure and your temperatures, um, but also the other things. You know, for those of you who live in Southern California, we know that one of the things that continues um, to be a major issue for patients uh, who have longstanding uh, transplant recipients is skin cancer. And so being smart about remembering to cover up and use sunscreen and do the things that everybody in the community should do, but certainly transplant patients should do, you know, is really, really important. One of the things that I would say also is that transplantation uh, has moved from the surgical sort of miracle of of putting in an organ and even the immunosuppression miracle of getting the organs to stay for the first year or two, as you talked about articulately back in 1979, we weren't really very good at that. We couldn't keep organs alive very well. We didn't have good immunosuppression medicines. You know, now the number one reason that organs are lost is that patients pass away from something else, and that's exactly what. At the end of the day, we want that organ to last you until your end of your natural life, and so that really um, requires a very different sort of mindset about how we take care of
1: folks. Well, and I'm in such agreement because, um, you know, my first two transplants didn't work, but my third one lasted 20 years. And it was a deceased donor who was a perfect match who was flown into Colorado, from Colorado to Los Angeles. And I left the hospital um, with a 2.2 creatinine. And you know, I was 24 years old, and they said, oh, it'll last a little while for you take care of it, you know, yada, yada, yada. That kidney lasted me 20 years because I was so religious in taking my medicine. And, you know, I'm a big believer in sunscreen because transplant patients don't know this, but if you practice good transplant care, uh, sunscreen, and take prednisone, it's probably the secret to youth, um, because it does make you look a little younger when you age. And so I've benefited from that a little bit. um, And um, now I'm on my fourth transplant. It's almost 10 years. And it's just so important. And one of the things I wanted to mention is how often, or do you see patients? It makes you so frustrated. I come in in contact with them, is that they forget to take their meds, and then they're in clinic in rejection. I. I I don't understand it. <laughs> so I, I, w-
0: I would say that there's a lot of things to be said about that. Um, and so the the first answer is yes. All of us, you know, feel that there are ninety to a hundred thousand people at any given time waiting for an organ, and we really want the people to get the organs to take the best care possible of them. Uh, and so, yet yeah, we want everybody to be successful for transplant. I also recognize that it, it isn't always easy. You know, uh, if you look at people who are just taking their blood pressure medicine or their, you know, routine diabetes medicines and everything, everybody has issues. With transplant patients, you just can't. And so the question is, what are we doing uh, now that we have all of these new technologies to make it easier for transplants? Um, And People like you, in some ways, make it look easy, and you're the perfect kind of patients that we want. We want people who are involved and engaged and everything else like that. Um, but we certainly see, you know, folks at different stages in their life have different challenges with that. So adolescents are still mm-hmm. trying to figure out who they are in the world, and you know, we all know we don't want to do exactly what our parents tell us. And sometimes, you know, transplant medicines get rolled up in that. So how do we make it so that they're in control of that and they feel like? It's it's not an issue of acting out to not take your medicines, but an issue of control and becoming an adult to take your medicines. And then the flip side of it is, you know, when people are 65 and 70 and 75 years old, you know, senior moments happen. I mean, we all forget our keys. We all forget where our iPhone is. You know, how do we remember to take our medicines? And so we need to have new things to help remind people of that. You know, and I think that's one of the opportunities that we can use technology um, to help people to make sure that they do exactly as you say. And then the other thing that I really want to make a quick comment on, and I know you have some other questions and I know you, you will agree to this, is that we were not smart in this country about making sure that the barriers to getting your medicines are not insurance. It's one thing to say to people that you have to take your medicines. It's another to say to people who aren't taking the medicines because they literally can't pay their rent that we've decided as a country to, to give them an organ that life-saving and not give them the medicines to take care of, that's crazy. And so, finally, uh, you know, we have an opportunity um, to make sure that everybody can have at least have their immunosuppression medicines for life. Um, and I think that's an important step forward.
1: Yes, uh, that lifetime immunosuppressant bill, um, I b- remember working on that for like decades. <laughs> it's, you know, finally, finally it, it passed. And hopefully, um, you know, people will understand that they can always Always have access to their transplant medication uh, because it's frightening. I mean, you know, we have that Medicare rule where three years post kidney transplant, you. Uh Lose Medicare, and then you have to go and find private insurance or marry somebody who has good insurance. I mean, I almost married a gay guy one time when I was in my 20s. Um, You know, you get quite desperate. (laughs) And so um, you have to be very, very savvy and make sure that you're covered. But a major breakthrough. (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit about how people can monitor because I I know that there's a lot of apps coming out. There's a lot of ways. I have all these little systems that I created. To take my medicine, and then, you know, how often do I follow up with the doctor? I often find that patients don't even know how often they should get their blood drawn. They think, oh, I've had my kidney two or three years, I'm fine. No, actually, you're not. <laughs> you need to be monitored consistently. Can you provide your perspective on this?
0: I think that you, the, the point we made before about, uh, you know, transplant is a much better way of replacing, you know, kidney failure, but it is not a It's not like taking out your appendix and that you go off and never have to worry about it again. And you know better than I do that, you know, it is a part of your life every single day that you have to be aware of it. Um, And so how can we help? So one of the things that that I've done is I'm working closely with uh, CareDx and there's now an app that is out called AlliCare. Um I'm somewhat biased because my wife uh, who was a transplant administrator and has worked with patients for a long time did a lot of the development on it so I always try to make sure that everybody knows and I disclose all of my associations <laughs> with it. That being said, it's a completely free app for patients uh, and we really designed it with the idea that you know we wanted it to be one place where everybody could take care of themselves and we did it with 20 years of experience in knowing just the kinds of things that you're talking about um, so the app does in one place keep track of your medicines which if you have most of the big health system you know healthcare things systems have things like epic now it will actually feed through and feed your medicines into your app and send you reminders about when to do it it will help you keep track of, of how much you're drinking you know early on you know it'll help you keep track of how much urine output you have and that sort of stuff one of the things that we are very conscious of is that what you need to pay attention to when you're three months out from transplant is not what you need to pay attention to when you're three years out from transplant. Right. So we need to make sure that you know the app is flexible enough for that so that, yes, you can have it tell you when you need to get your labs rescheduled and that sort of stuff. I also think that the kind of information that you're providing the folks that listen to your podcast and other things like that is really important. And I think it can be sometimes, particularly in the era of COVID, feel pretty lonely for folks who are struggling with all of this. So one of the things that is in the app um, is links to... Articles from good information. We've all heard way too much about fake news over the last four years, um, and there is good and bad information on the internet, and there is good and bad information that comes out. Um, and we want transplant patients to have information from reliable, vetted sources that helps you make good decisions about yourself. Um, and it is your body, it is your organ. You need to know and be able to be empowered. But I my. My caveat to that is get the information from good sources. Um, and so that, that's another sort of opportunity that this technology can, can bring to folks and that sort of thing. Um, it does allow some people to sort of make some comments so that if other people have found certain articles valuable, you can, you know, make them a little bit more, more obvious and that sort of stuff. Uh, we're just about to launch a, a prospective trial to, to make sure that there are um, you know, clear benefits to this. Um, I think the comp- the other thing that I would add that makes me particularly pleased to be endorsing it is that um, the app was designed with input from patients from day one. It had significant input from patients and extensive focus groups and beta users, all for people that were actively living with uh, and dealing with transplantation, and not just a bunch of doctors. Because you know, we actually don't live it. or very few of us
1: do. <laughs> I know. I'm still trying to change the name. Came from dialysis to life, dialysis. I mean, I I do not like the name dialysis. Um, I, but anyways, that's went over like a lead bomb in the community. But I, every chance I get, I try to educate people that words matter. You know, when you're a new patient, and you are not familiar with this language. It's extremely scary. <laughs> and
0: yeah, we 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 I actually think that I, I love life, dialysis. Although it may not may not fly, but I know renal, like, renal replacement therapy does. Um, you know. kidney replacement therapy does because I think that in many ways is what these techniques are doing whether it's dialysis and home hemodialysis or you know transplantation uh, it is providing an opportunity for people to live by replacing that one organ system and it's not that their whole life is over
1: Um, I think that's
0: another thing that's really important for folks to understand
1: well you know um, one of my key mottos when I created RSN in 1993 I had two things that I felt like patients needed and and it was, an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope. So, you know, I'm constantly trying to share stories of hope with patients. They're my peers, my kidney peers. And then one friend makes a difference. Because if you can find that one friend that you relate to um, that has kidney disease, um, it's better than a therapist, I found, <laughs> that, you know, you could talk about your hopes and fears. And and when you have a good um, relationship with somebody that, you know, they can help guide you. because you get all the information, you're a little bit overwhelmed at times, and it's hard to understand what was told to you. So if you talk to another patient who's been through it, uh, they help you navigate it. I I wanted to go back into the app because it's so funny. I was on my phone last night and I'm like, there was a article said there's an app for that, you know, like anything, there is an app to help you. And um, I wanted to know a little bit about your app and does it connect with the transplant center or does it connect, like if you're uploading all this, do they get your feedback of how much you're drinking or do you have to show it to them?
0: So the the app has been uh, out for about three to four months and it's really a work in progress. And so right now uh, it connects, a, you know, one-way feed from your transplant program, providing your transplant program interacts right now with the Apple Health Kit, it's coming out on Android soon. So it will pull medications and that sort of stuff. It is very easy for you to generate a report um, that you can then send to your transplant program by email or by text or a variety of other ways of doing it. We are building sort of the next phase of it, which will be monitoring and things like that. But as you can imagine, one of the things that everybody is concerned about in today's world is making sure that people's health data stays confidential. And we really want to make sure that the people know that that data belongs to them. Um, and so you are, as a patient, empowered to share or not share that with your healthcare team. Um, and we have opportunities for you to do that relatively easily by creating reports that then can be electronically transmitted back to your team. I think that we would hope that eventually it would be even more LinkedIn, and that's part of our where the trial and, and that sort of stuff is moving. But this is a, an app that is really for patients to take care of themselves, to empower themselves. Uh, you know, the tagline of you know your kidney doesn't come with its own instruction book, but it comes with an app. Uh, as you say, <laughs> apps are for everywhere. I think is really important. Um, the other thing that we have really tried to do is make it very easy for the patients to understand how they themselves are doing. So, what do I mean by that? So, we all know that blood pressure is important, and if your kidney mm-hmm. stop, isn't working as well, your blood pressure may start to go up. But it's really hard to remember where you were yesterday the day before the day before and you know and trying to write it down on a pieces of paper you know over time gets kind of kind of onerous and we all remember the days uh, where people were lugging in you know their binders and that sort of stuff and the app allows you to to store that data going back and sort of see your trends over the last week over the last month um, it actually lets you look and see how compliant you were coming back to you are you doing a good job taking your medicines do you take it on time do you just remember to take it so it you know it shows sort of a green yellow red or do did you miss those doses? And you know, we we would hope that that's an opportunity both to self correct, and if not, the you know work with your transplant pharmacist or other people to figure out you know why you're not taking those meds. So you have side effects that you know that we can help with, and that sort of stuff?
1: Now, do if if I click on I took my meds ten times in a row, do I get like smiley faces or anything like that, like rewards or something popping yeah, the, up? The answer,
0: the answer is it's the, you get scores and that sort of stuff. And there is what the the term that I've learned, and I don't know, I'm certainly not an expert, it's called gamification, but yes, Mm -hmm. the answer is yes, there will be prizes and badges and all of that sort of stuff. We were at the point where we had to make a decision, do we want to get the app out into people's hands, or do we want to get it perfect um, with everything in it? And the decision was, we needed people to be able to have use of it and that sort of stuff, so it's out. Um, Not all of that stuff is completely built out, but it's coming. I also want people, you know, I I have, to some extent, a little bit of mixed feelings about giving too many prizes and things like that, because I don't want people to not record accurately just so they get prizes.
1: Right. It's, it's self-reporting. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: It's self-reporting. And the self the, the prize at the end of the day is that you are like you with 10 years of perfect kidney function and a creatinine 0.6. And I can't think of a better reward than that, to be quite honest with I, you. And you get to be at your kids' graduations and your daughter's weddings and all of that.
1: And for me, rescue dogs, because I have four right now and a couple that are on its way to go to foster. So, yeah, we all we all do what we need to do to make sure that we can live the life we want to live. Um, so, when do you suggest people should sign up for the app? Do they need to get practice on it before you get surgery? Because, you know, right when you come out of surgery, you're like a little loopy, or I was anyways.
0: <laughs> well, boy, you really ask great questions and you and you have great ideas. So, we have a number of the transplant programs that we're already working with that are starting to enroll the patients when they're on the waiting list. And I think, it couldn't be better. One of the things that the app uh, tracks automatically, you don't have to do anything to do it, is is steps during the day. Um, And we all know that the more active you are going in and the better shape you are going into transplant, the better off you are going to be coming out. So start tracking that. Start tracking taking your medicines while you're on dialysis. We all know that it's not easy to remember to take your phosphorus binders before each of your meals, but yet keeping your bones healthy before transplant makes a huge difference. You talk about, you know, the problems people had when they had transplant in nineteen seventy nine. One of the big ones was horrible fractures from all the steroids, from the fact that they didn't really understand how to control their calcium <laughs> phosphorus balance yep. and that sort of stuff back then. I'm, you know? And now I'm queen of parts.
1: Just for the record, I'm the queen of parts. I've had both hips, both knees, and a right ankle. Because I was the person you described having dialysis in sixty eight. And I, you know, my doctor is like, I can't believe you're still walking. I'm like, either can I, but I am. I'm um, because we had to get so many debilitating drugs. um, And it was all through my youth and teenage years that I got all of these drugs. So I'm I'm. People just need to realize that transplant is so much better than it used to be and not to take that for granted. Um, I do have a question, though, about if you're on the app before uh, you start dialysis, if you don't log in, are they going to put any points against you because uh, they're not being compliant or something? I mean, patients get so worried about that.
0: I think that's a very reasonable thing, right? I think that... And that's, again, why I think it might be good as people start to get comfortable with this to know that it's there, they're in control. They can... They can do the reporting as they want to. Nobody owns that data besides the patients themselves. Um, now they do. The data gets stored out in the cloud someplace, so that if you switch your iPhone or you lose something, people can get it. But it can, you know, it is governed by all the appropriate regulations. So nobody can see it without your permission. Nobody can use it without your permission. Um, you know, I think patients have every every reason to to expect that things will be treated confidentially um, and in a way that respects them as individuals. And I think that's really, really important.
1: Um, now, with the app, do you have to be the transplant recipient to download it? Like, let's say if you're a parent um, of a child who has a transplant or something like that, is that doable?
0: It's possible to do it in a couple ways so if it's not um, there is a the buddy functionality and I have to say I have to talk to my wife about whether it's completely ready I've seen the, the mock-ups and the, the betas and I don't know whether it's deployed or not but there is an opportunity to assign a transplant buddy so for example you know if your mother is across the country and has a transplant but you want to keep an eye on her and stuff so you can't enter stuff in it but you can see if she hasn't taken her medicines and you can call a reminder and that sort of stuff um, the parent stuff is the adolescents can sign up for themselves the kids are are still a little bit of a work in progress because, as you can imagine, there are some very interesting and state by state medical legal issues about who can and can't sign consent and that sort of stuff. Can you still use it? The answer, is, the real answer, is yes. Um, it may not link to the to the uh, health records at your center completely because if it's on mom's phone and mom is signed up for. Records for her from her own health system. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want mom's meds going into kids' stuff. So those are the sort of interesting things that you have oh, to start yeah, to, to, to to work out um, as you as you move into pediatric stuff. Which is sort of too bad because I can't imagine a better opportunity to do this um, than that sort of stuff. But the system does allow you to uh, so to self select your medicines, and it has pick lists um, that for the common transplant medicines and that sort of stuff. Well, thing yeah. I would say to you. Can I, if just to make yeah. a comment on medicines that I think, because it's something that we work on a lot from an academic stand, standpoint in our research. You know, I think that we are at the point where people need to start really talking about you know personalization of, of of their medicines and immunosuppression. And there's you know an increasing selection of medicines that are out there, and that your patients and the people that are listening to your work should really make sure that they talk to their um, physicians and the pharmacists about the side effects and things that they're having. Because sometimes that really gets in the way if you're taking your medicines. And you remember the shakes and the hair growth and the things you were talking about before. But we know that, for example, once a day, tacrolimus medicine has a different side effect profile than taking it twice a day. And some of the different mycophenolate products have have different side effects you know and coming down the pike you know i do think that there are some new medicines that are you know equally exciting and so make sure that people um record that and i bring it up because we don't always pay attention to that. The app actually has a place for you to you know record your mood and what you're experiencing and you know, we often breeze in and say your creatinine looks good, your blood pressure looks good, your sugars are doing well, you're looking great, your level looks good. We'll see you again in 3 months. And and that's a problem with the healthcare team and right. patients should feel really empowered to say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm more than my creatinine. You know, <laughs> exactly. I'm
1: an individual. <laughs> I'm more than my numbers. And, you know, it's so important because uh, I go back to the statement an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope. And if you don't think you have a future, you're usually right. And um, when you have an illness such as serious as kidney disease, you know, you lose sometimes relationships or they become difficult or you isolate yourself. And, um, I've found uh, when I just ask patients uh, do you have anything you're looking forward to and if they say no <laughs> I mean that's kind of barometer for me to understand that they could potentially be depressed and I've seen when people are depressed they're more uh, they're not likely to take care of themselves or take their medicine and um, you're so right on about that because you can have great numbers but your brain could be suffering from some, Serious um, trauma or something. And I think that it's great that the healthcare community is uh, looking at that. Can you tell us a little bit about how um, you download the app and how you get the app?
0: Sure. So it's available right now on the App Store, um, it's going to be in the Google Store in the next two to three months. If you search for kidney or transplant or the term allocare, A L L O C A R E, um, you will find it. It is completely free to use. Uh, it, um, there's some, you know, initial sign-up screens that are pretty easy to deal with. But if you don't, there's some videos online about how to do it, or you can certainly call and there's tech help that will be happy to help you. Once you have it on online, um, it has opportunities to, as I say, link to your Apple Health Kit, which is on your iPhone. That can link through to Epic and other um, electronic medical records It will also track your steps. The other thing that's really great is, you know, it will link to Bluetooth uh, devices. So if you have a Bluetooth scale that will record your weight into your phone. Um, my wife told me the other day she was thrilled she had a patient um, call her who is 68 years old or something like that and was just wanted to tell her that she had managed to get her glucometer to talk to the app. And so now she doesn't have to write down her blood sugars anymore. So it just automatically does it. Um, and voice activation and voice recording is coming out in the next month or so. So you can just say to the app, Hey, you know, I, I, my, my weight is, or, um, you know, I think it's going to go through Alexa. She knows more than I do, but, uh, you know, <laughs> this is. I took my meds. I took my meds today. I took this, I took that, um, And I have to say, uh, being the, you know, the the surgeon, I'm like, ah, people don't really need that. And then the more she talked to patients, the more they wanted it. And she was right and they were right that, you know, the voice thing, I think, makes a difference. And particularly for folks, you know, who have some vision impairments or who, you know, are not so technologically inclined to be able to just. Talk to it like you do, you know, a companion. Because you know, you you, you yourself know that it's it takes a village, um, you know, to, to keep a transplant healthy, and so and not everybody has one.
1: Exactly, and you know, when you're typing things, I mean, auto spell correct just can embarrass you, you know, because you're you know, you're type. I do this all the time. This is a little embarrassing, but um, you know, I asked my husband to bring some corn home, and it said to bring some porn home, and I'm like, oh no, um, you have. To to be really, really careful when you type, so voice activation might be a little bit better.
0: <laughs> yeah, although he had a big
1: smile on his face. So I know, I day, know. So. You know, hey, you <laughs> got to look at the funny stuff because, you know, autocorrect is, uh, you know, could be a whole comedy routine on that. But, um, well, you know, this sounds like a, another great advancement, and technology is helping uh, helping healthcare teams better track and take care of people. And now it's time for patients to do their part and help. You know share what they're doing so if something goes wrong um you know you have a set of clues to look at and um you know i think it's so important because uh, when i had my third transplant um what was really interesting, my creatinine stayed 2.2 for years, like I said. But towards the last couple years, the blood pressure just started to go up a little bit. And probably in today's standard, they didn't have the Allisher test back then or DNA testing. Um, they probably would have shown that I was getting some antibodies <laughs> against my transplant or something. Um, but knowing that gradual increase in... Blood pressure or something like that can really allow your team to be um, proactive and reverse that. And that's what I think patients need to really understand. You have the power to change the course of any of those things if you know it's actually there.
0: (laughs) Well, you are the most important person on your team, Um, and I tell all of my trainees that you ignore what your patients tell you at your own peril um, because the patients may not know exactly what the the reason things aren't right, but they will tell you that things aren't right uh, and take them seriously um, because they know. Um, you guys are living it every single day and the only the only thing that I would quibble with you uh, in what you said is that it's time for patients to start taking care of themselves and I actually think transplantation would not be where it is without the fact that patients like you and others who have put incredible faith um, and hope and promise uh, in in what we do every day uh, you know it took an incredible act of courage for the first early transplants to, to say sure you know uh, I'll go through this and I'll take the drugs and I I will try to advance the science and and that sort of stuff. And so I I think that since since the earliest days of transplant, uh, it is it has truly been a collaborative effort between all the folks involved. But really, at the center of it and the heart of it is the patients that put you know put it, their put their faith in folks. And it's and, so
1: true. I mean, you know. Transplantation has become somewhat of a routine treatment. Um, You know, it's, it's much easier than it used to be, but it's still a gift of life. And the person who receives the gift of life needs to do everything possible to keep that gift of life. So uh, check out the app, everybody. Um, thank you, Dr. Axelrod, for uh, sharing your knowledge. And uh, I heard you told me earlier that you did a two transplants this morning. That just makes my heart sing. So.
0: Yep. We're, we're, you know, we did two, and both of them were living donors, which I, I think the other population that we don't, we, we can't forget are both the deceased donor and the families that give and the living donors that are literally giving pieces of themselves. So I, I wish you congratulations, and I hope you for, for 10 more years, and hopefully next time we talk, your creatinine will still be 0. 0.6. I also think that people need to know, as you say, that this field continues to move forward, and I actually think that there's going to be a time in the not-too-far-distant future when we will probably have a good number of folks off of immunosuppression with novel treatments and that sort of stuff. And yes, having having new tools to make sure your transplant is healthy only make things better. So thank you for taking the time to to talk with me and ask to to be a part of it. And um, best wishes for everybody for 2021. Hopefully, it will be a much better year than last year.
1: Stay alive till the next miracle happens, everybody. That's my saying. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on
0: Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own
1: health care provider regarding your medical condition.